leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Duncan Dynasty. I am Garrett Bougay alongside me, Anthony Brown. You are about to listen to part two of our Michael Jordan versus LeBron James debate. Uh, if you missed out on part one, I urge you to go back and listen to that one first. But without further ado, please enjoy. I think another interesting um, factor uh, when you talk about great players is the different stages of their career. Mm. And I think uh, this comparison with Jordan and James is perfect because they've each had different stages that are pretty similar. Uh, When they both came into the league, of course, Jordan came in as, I believe, like a Mm 21-year-old or something like that. He had played three years at North Carolina. Uh, won a national championship with the Tar Heels in yep. his freshman year. Hit the game-winning shot. <laughs> yep. Uh, LeBron came in as an 18-year-old kid, basically. Uh, came into the league very young. Uh, but they both came in just uh, and, and absolutely were terrific players right off the bat, in large part due to just their out-of-this-world freak athleticism. You know, Jordan in his early years almost reminds me of what we saw from, like, Russell Westbrook last year. Right. Where he would just push the ball down a team's throat, could finish over anybody, uh, you know, played in transition, got to the basket at will, uh, and, uh, you know, really just, um, you know, lived in the paint. Right. That's a really good comparison. Crazy energy. The In Bill Simmons' book, um, in terms of attacking the rim, Allen Iverson is another person that he brings up of just relentless attacking Mm -hmm. of the basket. It's super hard to stop. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, you talk about freak athletes, though. Of course, LeBron is (laughs) exactly that. And, uh, you know, uh, he's still um, pretty close to the athlete that he was. He can't give the consistent energy. I think energy is the key difference right. between 33-year-old LeBron and you know 18-year-old LeBron. Definitely is energy-wise, he could just he could run all day, and uh, that speed, athleticism, size. And energy made it really difficult on opponents to stop. And uh, you know he's another guy that when he got to the rim, he could finish over anybody. Oh yeah, um, one of the best athletes ever in, <laughs> that yeah. I've ever seen, regardless <laughs> of sports. Um, and uh, the other thing that's interesting about both of these guys in their early career is they both didn't have much help at all <laughs> as far as their supporting cast. Yep. Uh, you know, people think about Michael Jordan playing with Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant, and la- later down the line, Dennis Rodman, but. Those guys didn't really come into form. They weren't even on the team Jordan's first couple of years. Right. And then Pippen and Grant even took a few years even after they were picked up to uh, you know, develop into really solid basketball players. So Jordan had four or five years where he played with uh, you know pretty lousy teams. And, of course, LeBron, he dragged that 07 Cavs team to the NBA Finals uh, with the likes of Zadrunas Ilgauskas, Drew Gooden, and Eric Snow. Right. You know, Larry Hughes. You know, those teams were not good either. Right. Uh, and Jordan, in his second season, scored like around close to 50 points a game versus uh, <laughs> the 86 Boston Celtics. Yeah. Uh, he just had no help whatsoever. Uh, and then LeBron, of course, lost uh, in that 07 season to the San Antonio Spurs with Duncan Parker Ginobili. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both of these guys were putting up great numbers. You could see their greatness. They just, you know, basketball is a team sport, and right. you need that help, uh, you know, to get over the finish line and win a championship. Right. You cannot do it alone, and I think these two pushed that <laughs> that barrier as much of to see what you could do alone, especially yeah. at that young age. 
Um, but also important to, I think, point out that while these guys were so athletic, there have been other really athletic players mm-hmm. to come into the league. Um, but it was, I feel like, the combination of skill that when you even listen to the, the commentary on the games from the commentators, they're like saying not only is LeBron jumping over people and not only is LeBron dunk or Jordan Duncan on everyone and getting all these steals and stuff, but the fundamentals are so sound on these two and their mm-hmm. basketball IQ is so high right. at a young age. It's incredible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would say uh, if we had to put years on in terms of this first portion of their careers, like MJ's young athletic phase was probably from 83, 84 to 86, 87, you know, that stretch. And then with LeBron, 03, 04 to 07, 08, um, you know, that that stretch where both guys were, um, you know, again, they were skilled, but they were still developing those skills. Definitely, Uh, definitely. And the, the, the biggest strength of their game was their athleticism and and of course yes their their basketball iq was also something they were working on and getting better right. at you would see flashes of of brilliance in that and yeah. then you'd see other times where it's like they're still learning right some of those veterans would be able to you know outsmart them or outskill them with technique um yeah. Well, and that that 07 playoff run was a perfect example of that where LeBron, I believe it was in game 5 against the Pistons, scored like the 25 consecutive points right. and was hitting like behind the back <laughs> step back jumpers and uh, just caught fire and and basically beat a better team. The Pistons were better, but LeBron just was so amazing. Right. Uh, and it was a moment where you're like, okay, this guy might be arriving. But then you see him in the finals against a a team like that's as well coached as the Spurs with Greg Popovich that are ducking all going under all screens, forcing LeBron into his weakest part, which is taking the jumper at that point, which right. uh, it wasn't good enough, you right. know? So you see, yes, exactly. You see flashes, you see these moments where they're like, yes, this guy is destined to be great, but he's not quite there yet. Yeah. Uh, but you know, both of those guys had it. Yeah. Uh, the second kind of stage of their career, I, I'm going to call this, prime part one uh for mj the, it started with the 87 88 season where he won mvp and defensive player of the year that year uh and then it goes through that third season of the first three p the 92 93 season yeah uh, where he averaged 41 a game in the nba finals against the phoenix suns uh and then for lebron his prime part one I, I would probably say is the 08, no, 09 season with the Cavs where he brought, again, a kind of a lackluster group of players to 66 wins and won the MVP uh, through his final season in Miami at 13-14, uh, where both of these guys, um, you know, were elite defensively. They still had the athleticism and the energy right. to consistently be on those all-defensive teams, consistently be not only the leader in terms of playing on the offensive end, but defensively as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then also you see the combination of their athleticism and their skills developing to the point where you're like, okay, now we're seeing the total package. Oh yeah. And that's uh, that part, this prime part one is some of the uh, most fun for me to watch as a basketball fan Um, going through with Jordan specifically, um, with each of these years, he's getting better and better and adding more moves and getting smarter. Mm-hmm. And you see him going up against maybe his, his greatest challenge with the Detroit Pistons, yeah. one of the best defensive teams, and actually had this brilliant defensive scheme to stop him specifically. That says basically with the Jordan rules, Michael Jordan, you have to beat us if you're going to try and get to the finals. And he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um and you see every year he's putting up like 40, 50 points. He's getting all the assists and, and boards and everything. He's a freak athlete. He's getting all the blocks. He's all over the floor. Um, and same thing with LeBron on some of these playoff uh, performances. It's incredible what they're doing, skill, smarts, and everything else. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it's it's good that you mentioned like these guys just – slowly but surely adding new aspects to their game. Um, you know, you talk about Jordan by that, you know, the early to mid-90s. He he had really developed that post-game, that fadeaway right. jumper in the 93 finals. He was using that on a pretty consistent basis. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it gave him the ability to say, okay, if I've got a small guy on me, I can take him to the block. And then if I've got a bigger guy on me, I'm still a good enough athlete that I can get around him and get to the basket. Right. Uh, and with LeBron – 
you know, he, he started to add that post game when he got to the heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also started to um, continue to improve his efficiency and started to hit the three-point shot at a right. pretty high, high level uh, with Miami. So both of these guys kind of improving in different ways as well. Definitely. That's a really good point with, with their shooting. Both of them start off as really great athletes but aren't really threats from the outside at all. Mm -hmm. Jordan, again, was never really a huge threat from the three-point line, but his mid-range game was started to get deadly, you know, getting into that 91, 92, 93 season. And same with LeBron, where defenses had to play tight or they were just going to shoot it over him all day. They could beat him with the jump shot and not even have to dunk or or get to the rim. Um, They both become unguardable people yeah well in that uh 2012-13 season with Miami which was their uh second title season where they beat the Spurs uh LeBron I believe shot around 57 percent that season just absurd now you know he had Dwayne Wade that you know took a lot of possessions and he was able to pick his spots and you know take his shot selectively but still uh you know anytime a guy that plays a decent amount on the perimeter shooting 50 percent or 57%, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, that's prime part one. And then finally, what we've had more recently with LeBron and what Jordan did in the late 90s is what we're calling prime part two. <laughs> uh, so with MJ, it would be after his baseball retirement, he comes back for a little portion of that 94-95 uh, season, uh, loses to the Orlando Magic with Shaq and Penny, dedicates himself that off season uh you know was super pissed that he lost of course <laughs> it's bigger and stronger he yep. comes in at like 215 yep and is also in better shape you yep. know just uh and just committed to doing everything to win and uh you know they of course have that 72 and 10 season the next season wins 69 and then the, the third and final season before his second retirement uh you know they they win the three-peat yeah uh, so uh you know that's MJ's prime part two and LeBron's prime part two has been this Cavs run. Uh, You know, the fact that they've been to, uh, you know, three straight NBA finals, they've won a championship and uh, are, you know, likely to probably make another NBA finals. They're the favorites, I believe, this year, even though I think Boston Celtics fans, considering they're 16 and three right now, would like to say otherwise. But (laughs) I still think the Cavs are the favorites. And uh, Hmm. LeBron has been terrific. Again, I think the only, um, you know, downgrade for LeBron these past uh, Cleveland years has been, I mentioned, the energy on defense. Uh, The Cavs have been pretty porous defensively, uh, you know, uh, much of this year and also last year as well. Right. Uh, Whereas Jordan, even uh, at, uh, you know, a similar age, was still a first-team all-defensive guy with those Bulls in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Not quite as as quick as he was back in the day, but still extremely quick. Mm -hmm. And again, like Kobe, when they decided they want to lock a guy down, it was that person couldn't even dribble the ball up the court. It was it was amazing. So. Right. Well, and I think another thing that's really fun to watch with the prime part two portion of these great players' careers is, you know, you lose either a little athleticism or a little energy, but you make up for it with your, you know, your experience, your basketball IQ. You know, oh, yeah. it's amazing, you know, uh, watching LeBron play and how he's dissecting the defense and figuring things out on the fly. And that just comes from having, you know, again, both of these guys in there uh, at this time of their career we're talking about have had, you know, 13 plus years of NBA experience and you've seen these defenses and how they can play. Right. And it just builds on that, uh, you know, that memory, that uh, that basketball IQ, and they see the game two steps ahead. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Bobby Fischer with chess, where <laughs> oh, he was yeah. playing five or six steps ahead of everybody else, and just, you know, even though he might, you might not have the speed and the energy you once did, uh, you know, you can make up for it in other ways. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so. Another thing that I think is uh, is a really important thing to talk about when you're you're discussing this debate, uh, as far as um, you know, who's better, MJ or LeBron? And a lot of people in LeBron's corner are going to talk about the fact that he's made eight finals and he's probably going to make nine this year. So that that would already be three more NBA finals than Jordan made. Uh, I think an important distinction here is that. The competition in the Eastern Conference 
during Jordan's era and LeBron's era have been it was vastly different, and I think it was a much tougher conference to get through during Jordan's years than it has been for LeBron. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Um, I and we've got a little list here of some of those teams, and most of them or a lot of them are up for. Um, that category of the greatest teams that have ever played, right? Right. Um, all in that same conference. <laughs> um, if, if we want to go down and look at some of them, the Bad Boy Pistons of you know the late '80s, Bird Celtics. Yeah. Um, you talk about the the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, yep. in, in the the mid '80s there, um, and even later on with you know Shaq and Penny's uh, Magic team, which I think is kind of underrated. Yeah. That people don't bring up anymore, but I think that had they stayed together and stayed healthy, could have been one of the great teams in NBA history. You've got the Hewing, or Patrick Hewing with the Knicks, Pacers, your Cavs that you love. Yeah, uh, I, I, I always like to mention those uh, those late 80s, early 90s Cavs were very underrated. They were, they were amazing. Um, you know, Mark Price, I think, uh, is one of the better point guards that no one talks about. Yep. Uh, he was one of the first guys that uh, really started to split the pick and roll. You know, mm-hmm. when the guy would screen and he would dribble and the big man would come out, he would take that quick dribble in between the two defenders and get to the basket. Oh, yeah. He was one of the first. He basically invented that move. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and uh, he was also hitting, you know, off the dribble threes before that was really in fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you had a center in Brad Doherty that was really good. You had a former dunk champion in Larry Nance, uh, oh, yeah. you know, real solid basketball team. Uh, and, you know, the Bulls had to fight through them on numerous occasions throughout the 80s and then in the 92 Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, and you talk about those early years when Jordan, uh, you know, didn't have much of a supporting cast. In 86, he played the Celtics, lost to them in the first round. And then people will say, like, well, Jordan didn't even make it out of the first round. Well, it it's the opponent that matters. It, right. it doesn't matter what round you lose in. If you lose to the 86 Celtics, <laughs> you know, that that's nothing to go home crying about. Right. Like Especially that. when you play as well as he played. Yes. What some all-time, the still to this day, the highest scoring playoff performance that anyone has put up. Right. So. And then I believe in 87, they lose to the Celtics as well. Mm-hmm. 88, 89, and 90, they lose to the Bad Boy Pistons teams. Right. Uh, so again, yes, as you mentioned, for five straight seasons of Jordan's careers, his playoff losses were to two of arguably the top five teams of all time. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, and uh, then, you know, you go into the 90s, you've got, you've still got the, you know, Price Doherty Cavs were pretty good. You've got the, yes, as you mentioned, the Patrick Ewing Knicks that were good pretty much throughout the 90s oh, maybe, yeah. and even made the finals in 99 and also made the finals in 94 the first the year Jordan took off for baseball so those Knicks teams were really fantastic really great defensively uh, and then the you know the uh, Reggie Miller Indiana Pacers were pretty good in the mid 90s and I thought they were really good basketball teams in the late 90s and that 2000 team that made the finals was right. pretty pretty great as well uh, so you know, throughout Jordan's tenure with the Bulls in the Eastern Conference, there was not usually just one, but two good to great teams that he had to beat just to make the final. LeBron, especially these last few years, there hasn't been a single good team in the Eastern Conference. You know, last year's Boston Celtics was not uh, a true contender. Right. The year before that, the Toronto Raptors, uh, you know, they they somehow got through uh, two rounds of seven game series and made the conference finals, but they were pretty much a joke of a conference finalist. Right. You know, so, and, and the Atlanta Hawks, even though they won 60 regular season games, they were decimated by injuries a couple of games into that series and had no, no superstar players. Uh, so, uh, you know, you talk about uh, this extended streak that LeBron has had of making so many consecutive finals. Of course, no matter the opponent, you still got to go out and beat them. Right. And you got to give him credit for that. Definitely. But at the same time, uh, you know, people that say LeBron is better because of that, I think need to realize the competition is a lot different now. And the Eastern Conference is a lot weaker and easier to get through. Whereas, you know, those even the 86 Bulls where Jordan put up 50 against the 86 Celtics those teams would be making the finals in the Eastern Conference now just because Jordan was on the team 
Right. And <laughs> that it feels the same way with LeBron, whereas in that, uh, you know, first season uh, that uh, they made the finals, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving were both, like, pretty injured throughout the entire postseason, right. and just LeBron's greatness got them through. Michael Jordan could do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Had he played against the, the same level of competition. Yeah, the, the Cavs that you are bringing up before, like the Cavs were the favorite most of those early years. That, right. Um, they would get picked over the, the Bulls, and it, it took Jordan's famous the shot you know, to <laughs> knock them out of the playoffs. And that yep. was a shock to most of the sports writers at the time. Right. Because the Cavs were clearly a better overall team. <laughs> yes. It's just one guy was better. Yeah, and that that uh, the shot you're referring to, I believe that was the 88 season, and the Cavs not only had yeah. Price, Doherty, uh, Nance, but they also had Ron Harper that season. Right. It's like that team was loaded. Mm-hmm. And the Jordan with, you know, uh, Scottie Pippen may have been in his first or second yeah. year still extremely young, not a super effective player yet. Jordan basically by himself beat that Cavs team. Yeah. So if he could beat that Cavs team, he could beat last year's Celtics. He could the beat Toronto the Toronto Raptors from two years ago, or uh, injury decimated Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, like uh, so. Uh, this great run, while it is a fantastic accomplishment, um, needs to be put into perspective uh, by more people. Agreed. Um, I will say, though, LeBron's early years in the Eastern Conference, it was pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, you had, of course, those mid to late 2000s Pistons. Right. Uh, the Pistons team that won the title in 04, lost in the finals in seven games mm-hmm. in 05. You know, that team with Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, Rasheed Wallace, and Ben Wallace. That was a really good basketball team, a legitimate uh, team that you had to get through. And it took them, you know, it took LeBron, uh, lost in 06, and then was able to get past him in 07. Uh, But then even in the late 2000s, you had the Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce Celtics, Mm -hmm. that big three come together, and they lost to him in 08, and then also in 2010. And then even those uh, Dwight Howard, uh, Orlando Magic teams right. were pretty decent as well. Made the finals uh, that year. Yeah. yeah, had some good like they uh, you know they were a little bit ahead of their time in terms of playing Dwight Howard. You know the dominant big man with four shooters around him uh, caused a lot of mismatch issues for those Cavs teams. Uh, but uh, you know the Eastern Conference was good for you know the the early portion the the first Cavs portions of LeBron's career. Right. Uh, but uh, the Miami Heat portion, uh, it was still okay. There were some decent teams. Of course, there was the the Derrick Rose Bulls team that won sixty plus games. Right. He was MVP that year. That was a decent team. Uh, of course the. Um, those Pacers teams with Paul, a young Paul George and the likes of Roy Hibbert and David West, mm-hmm. uh, those teams were you know pretty decent as well. Uh, but I wouldn't put any of those teams, um, you know, any of the the teams that he faced with the Heat or this second version of the Cavs above anything any team that Jordan faced uh, during his career. Yeah, definitely. Another, I think, interesting thing to to talk about in terms of in terms of great players, is the coaching factor. Mm. Uh, I think uh, Jordan, um, you know, gets a little bit of a boost uh, to his, um, you know, ability to win and all that because he played with a guy like Phil Jackson. You know, a great coach helps you win games. You know, you look at a Tim Duncan, the fact that he had Greg Popovich with him obviously helped his overall resume and all of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, how much would you factor Phil Jackson into this whole argument and, and uh, you know, how much that would sort of boost Jordan's overall resume? It's definitely a factor. I, I think Jordan would have won titles without the likes of a Phil Jackson because the rest of his team was getting better and he was getting better at getting everyone involved and actually – I mean, Jordan kind of fought the the triangle offense at times. Mm-hmm. You know, most of Phil Jackson's job was trying to, and maybe the genius of Phil Jackson is being able to convince these, you know, egotistical superstars to buy into his system. Yeah. You know, if if you get Shaq and Kobe to buy into your equal opportunity offense in quotations, then mm-hmm. you know you're you're going to be a success. And before that, with Doug Collins and the previous co- coaches. It's 
Jordan, I don't want to pass it to a wide open John Paxson. I'm going to shoot it over three people. Yeah. And he could make that shot, but better to maybe pass it to the open guy every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say overall, though, it is a factor because once Jordan started looking for the open guy, the Bulls became unstoppable. Yeah. Before that, you could do a Jordan rules and, and lock him down. And you credit that mostly to Phil Jackson as opposed to Jordan himself? Yeah, because Jordan, even through the 90s, would say, I hate this triangle offense, and sometimes would just, especially if the game got close, he's like, screw the triangle, I'm going to score. Yeah. You know, so what would, what do you think, though? Yeah, um, I, I think Phil Jackson is a better coach than anyone um, LeBron has played for, although I right. will say Eric Spolstra is a lot better coach than people give him credit for. Okay. I think he, yeah, yeah. uh, he's by far the best coach LeBron has had. And he's in large part, you know, you talk about, or we mentioned earlier, LeBron's efficiency rising every season with, right. uh, and, you know, peaking in that, uh, season with Miami in 2012-13 where he shot 57%. I think Eric Spolstra can be given a lot of credit for that. And he also had to deal with some egos with Dwayne Wade and LeBron, two guys right. that were good friends, but also two guys that uh, you know, were 1-2 in the league uh, in terms of their talent and their abilities. So he had to get them to eventually say, Okay, this is LeBron's team. Wade, you got to take a little bit of a backseat. That doesn't mean you can't be great still. Right. Uh, but, you know, he had to deal with some of those same egos just like Phil Jackson did. Right. Uh, and again, I don't want to take anything away from Jordan, though, because uh, what I'm saying is that Phil Jackson, kind of like in a Dean Smith scenario, was able to reel in Jordan a little bit to say, okay, mm-hmm. let's. Let's get everyone a little more involved. Yes. And so say Phil Jackson's not there and we've got a different coach, that might have led to Jordan's stats being even more crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, they still were winning a lot of games, but we could be looking at 35 points per game instead of, you know, the 31. Yeah. Something like that. So. Well, and, you know, you talk about the difference in these two players, you know, a coach like Phil Jackson trying to get Jordan to pass a little bit more because, again, his natural inclination is to score. With LeBron, it's almost it's the, the opposite. opposite. Where yes, you're, as he's gone on, the the goal of a lot of coaches is to be like, you know, yes, you can still make the right play and all of that, but at times we need you to take over and just get us a basket, especially when you have a mismatch and all those sorts of things. That's a really. I'm glad you pointed that out. That's really interesting. <laughs> Another interesting thing to talk about with these two guys is the whole uh, dream team versus the redeem team. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man. I used to get in so many heated debates about this back when the Redeem Team was going. Yes, because a lot of people were claiming that the Redeem Team was better than the Dream Team, which in in the same way we believe Michael Jordan is better than LeBron, I think we both believe the Dream Team is the greatest basketball team ever constructed. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And again, not taking anything away from the Redeem Team, they were excellent. Oh, yeah. Uh, But uh, I think another, another thing that's interesting is, you know, with... Uh, in both of the, with the Dream Team and the Redeem Team, the Dream Team you had Michael Jordan sort of trying to take the reins from the likes of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and saying, this this is my team, this is my league. Right. And in the 08 uh, Redeem Team year, you had uh, LeBron and uh, uh, Kobe. Mm-hmm. You know, those two guys kind of fighting it out to try to say, you know, this is my team. I'm still the best sort right. of thing. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of why those teams are so interesting is you've got these, you know, these superstar talents that all are the man on their own separate teams, and then they have to come together and sort of uh, figure it out on yeah, the fly. That's a really good point because I, I think Jordan proved to anyone who doubted that Jordan was the best player in the world, if you watch the Dream Team, I think it's pretty evident that while – Magic and Larry and Charles Barkley and all these great players are amazing. Jordan is the standout in terms of mm-hmm. overall ability and, and skill, um, where I feel like Kobe and, and LeBron were kind of 
button heads a little bit yeah. on, on who that discussion was right. for the next couple of years. Um, I will say, um, again, to defend a little bit of sure. LeBron sure, here, sure. is that that 08 team, was a, he was younger yeah. uh, for that 08 team. Than Jordan was. Than Jordan. Jordan had gotten into that prime part one, mm-hmm. whereas LeBron was still in his front young freak athlete going back to what good we talked point. about earlier. Very good point. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, it, it it was true that it still kind of felt like, oh, this is kind of Kobe's team, it's kind of LeBron's team. Hmm. Whereas, yeah, by the time they started playing games with the Dream Team, it's like, okay, yeah, this is Jordan's. Right. Jordan's leading the way here. Yeah. But yeah, overall, though, I mean, Magic Johnson compared to what Jason Kidd, I think, was the. the uh, uh, they Chris had Paul? Uh, Chris Paul, yes. Um, and again, Chris Paul, one of the greatest of all time, but I feel like Magic Johnson is the greatest point guard of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting, the matchup of LeBron and Larry Bird, where it's an older Larry Bird with back problems, yes. but two of the greatest of all time at that position. Yeah. You've got Barkley and Malone at at the power forward, and did Duncan play in this one or not? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. I'm trying to think who was the uh, the power forward on the Redeem team. Um who would it have been? Would it have been? Uh, did KG? I don't think KG played Loser, either. Maybe? Uh, no, no. Um, I'm trying to remember who would have played. It might have been. They might have played uh, LeBron and Melo. Oh, that's what at it was. The three and the four. They, they stretched yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. And then obviously with the two guard, it's Dwayne Wade and, and Kobe with Jordan and Clyde Drexler. Chris Mullins there too. Like that's yeah. that's crazy that Chris Mullin is coming off the bench. <laughs> He's one of the greatest shooters and yeah. small forwards of all time. And I don't know. Just what what are your thoughts? What, what do you think? Analysis of Dream Team and uh, Redeem Team. Yeah, I think um, the the interesting thing about the Dream Team was that you had the likes of um, you know Jordan, Barkley, Pippen. Uh, and, um, you know, I would say even magic was still pretty close to the, his prime. Most of those guys were all still in their primes. Uh, and just how devastating that team was. Uh, whereas the redeem team, uh, you know, LeBron was still a little bit young. Uh, you know, Kobe was pretty close to his prime. Um, but, uh, it just wasn't quite as dominant. I didn't think. Yeah. Uh, as the dream team. Although again, yeah, there are a few guys on the dream team like a Larry Bird that, um, you know, would probably not play if they actually matched up. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it would probably be more Scotty Pippen because you right. need that defense uh, against a guy like LeBron. And sure. Larry Bird was, you know, um, as awesome and as much as I love Larry Bird, uh, he really wasn't even an all-star caliber player at that point. At he that point, he still yeah. could shoot really well, mm-hmm. uh, but he was basically a Chris Mullen yeah. uh, at that point. Right. Um, um, and John Stockton broke his or like sprained his ankle or broke his foot or something at that at that point, so he wasn't allowed to play much. Yeah, and um, the players actually in in a lot of in a controversial manner. Uh, uh, didn't want Isaiah on the team, Isaiah Thomas. And right. If he would have played, think about how much, like, he was so much better than Stockton at that right. point. Uh, so he right. would have made the team that much even greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, when comparing 90s versus the now, that's a yes. good point. Um, I almost think a, um, uh, a team uh, of USA players now might even be better if if all the greatest players currently playing hmm. from the US played now they might even be better than that redeem team uh, because you've got you'd have a LeBron you'd have a Kevin Durant mm-hmm. uh, you'd have a Steph Curry uh, you know you have Kawhi Leonard Clay Thompson uh, you know Anthony Davis mm-hmm. uh, you know that team would be um, you know, pretty filthy. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that'll be something that we'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do a mock uh, whenever the Olympics come around. We'll yeah, have to do that. even though I feel like most of those guys won't play because either they've played in some before, or they just don't want to, or for whatever reason. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, that's also pretty interesting. Um, so, you know, we talked earlier about the whole. Um, competitiveness and the mm. clutch factor. Yeah. And I want to just get your take on how much of a discrepancy you think there actually is uh, between these two guys, LeBron <laughs> and Michael, and how much of that sort of impacts your thought process on why you think Jordan's better. 
yeah, <laughs> uh, competitiveness. So here, this might be an interesting story. So uh, one of my uh, great friends, uh, Alex, is not a basketball fan at all. He doesn't really like sports, but he's he's a he loves history. Yeah. Um, and when I described, I was actually reading Bill Simmons book uh the book of basketball at the time and i went over to his room we were roommates at the time i was like dude listen to like his competitiveness and i was obsessing about jordan and when i started describing how competitive jordan was he went up like didn't say anything he got up went to his bookshelf and took out a book of alexander the great and started (laughs) reading passages of how they described alexander the great and genghis khan who are two of the greatest uh, generals and conquerors, conquerors yeah. in world history. Right. So we're not just talking about a guy who wants to win games. This is a person who, like, it was a it was an issue for him mentally that he it was a compulsion that he couldn't lose at things. Mm-hmm. Whether it was a card game, whether it was you know <laughs> placing bets. This dude had a gambling addiction. Yeah. You know, but because he was the most popular athlete in the world. We kind of enabled him to, you know, we gave him millions of and billions of dollars now to uh, to to do that. So yeah. LeBron, very competitive person, has accomplished a lot and wants to win stuff. But um, even Jordan's contemporaries, Larry Bird and, and uh, Magic Johnson, two of the greatest competitors of NBA history, even admitted on when they played with him on the Dream Team. Um, by far, Michael wanted to win more than anyone, whether it was golf or anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have to say? Well, that? and even like, uh, yeah, his Hall of Fame speech, he still, <laughs> like, he had to talk trash to a lot of the players. Yeah. Uh, like, even after he had been retired for, I, I think it's five years after you retire, you're yeah. eligible for the Hall, but um, even five years after he's done playing that that fire still is in him. Oh yeah. Uh, there was that, uh, I think this was last year. There was some video. It was some camp yeah. where, uh, um, a couple of current NBA players and crew, including Chris Paul, uh, oh, wow. were, uh, put Jordan to a bet where it was like, uh, we're both going to shoot threes from all the different areas. So each corner, <laughs> both wings, top of the key. Right. And, uh, basically the bet was like, if, um, if Chris Paul makes them all, then, all the kids in the camp get shoes or whatever. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and it was all, and, uh, um, Chris Paul went around, missed like the, one of the last ones and the kids didn't get the shoes. Yeah. And then he said to Jordan, if you miss any of these shots, all the kids get shoes. <laughs> oh, so God. naturally it's like, okay, so Jordan just miss one intentionally because then it benefits all the kids. Right. But <laughs> Jordan realizing that missing a shot would hurt his ego would like, you know, um, you know, would be an insult to his character. Oh yeah. He went out and made every single shot. Every single shot. And all the kids were denied <laughs> shoes. <laughs> They're all yeah, little kids at this camp. That's how competitive the guy was. And on one of the, the movies that I, I remember watching about Michael Jordan, um, one of his best friends at North Carolina talks about them playing cards with his friend's mother. And he caught Michael cheating and like putting cards under the table to try and cheat this guy's mom at a friendly <laughs> game of cards around the house a couple days before a game. Like, this is insane. How can you not want to? give you know you're a billionaire can't you give these kids shoes you know these poor little kids and he's like no screw you i gotta win a bet that's it and and you don't think i can make all these well i'll show you (laughs) oh and so that's when we talk competitiveness oh my gosh there are so many stories of um jordan i'm getting excited now jordan um would go like go through the newspapers looking for one little quote yes. that he could take as motivation. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the main reasons why he said he um, 
retired in 1993 is that he couldn't find any more challenges anymore to motivate him to be the best player in the world. You win three titles consecutively. It's yeah. kind of like, well, yeah, no one can beat me. Yeah, he's he'd already at what's his, there left to do. Yeah, he'd surpassed uh, Magic and Bird in his mind, and so he's like, well, I think I'm the best now, so I might as well quit. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Later on, like 96, 97, 98, it would be Jeff Van Gundy would say something or George Carl would say something like he doesn't dunk as much anymore. He shoots more jump shots, (laughs) but that's how he scores. Jordan took that as, oh, you saying that I can't, you know, dunk on people. And so to prove him wrong, he shoots a bunch of jump shots and scores like 50. (laughs) Like it doesn't make any sense, but whatever he needed competitive wise, uh, that's what he would use. Do you have any stories like that of him that you can think uh, of? Um, I was actually thinking of a story about LeBron. Okay. Um, Yeah. And again, I agree that Jordan, you know, has a big edge here in the competitive factor, but I thought I'd give a fun one with LeBron in that championship. They won against golden state, uh, I was actually at game six oh, wow. of that NBA finals where, you know, they came back from three, one down in the series and ended up winning in seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but game six, there was that moment where, uh, LeBron switched on to Steph Curry. Right. And this right. is the moment where you're like, Oh, this is great. Cause you want to see the, the two stars go at it. Mm-hmm. Curry drives past LeBron, gets a, gets a, a step on him and LeBron's behind him. Right. And Curry stops near the basket is trying to pump fake, get LeBron <laughs> off his feet. Right. And LeBron, when as soon as he shoots it, LeBron just swats it out of bounds <laughs> and LeBron looks at Curry and starts shaking his head. Like, right. you know, th- it was that kind of moment where you're like, you won the MVP, but I'm better than you right. sort of thing. And, um, you know, I, I love those. That's what makes basketball so much fun and and why I hate when referees, you know, mm-hmm. blow a tee or something on a guy when he's talking trash. Right. That stuff is fun. I, I get you want to clean out the, the fighting and the, right. the brawls and all that, but don't take out those moments. You know, that's what makes it really, really entertaining to oh, watch. Yeah. And I think that's honestly – what the competitiveness and the the psychological, the mental side of the game, I think that's the main thing that separates the LeBrons, the Jordans, the Birds, the you know from normal regular players, mm-hmm. right? There are other players that are super skilled and athletic in the NBA, yeah. right? They're full of them, um, but uh, it, it's those moments like that 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 separate them. Um, I'm I'm also thinking of with Jordan, um, you can. Google or YouTube uh, revenge plays, Michael Jordan revenge plays. And this is and this is something that I came up on when when we were rooming together in college before they'd had videos like that. I picked up on this that if someone blocked a shot of Michael Jordan, it was uncanny. The next probably two or three plays later, uh-huh. definitely sometime within the game, but sometimes the very next possession, Jordan would come down and block their shot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with extreme precision. I don't know how you can have that much control over a game. Cause in my mind, if I'm worried about if you block me and I'm trying to block you, I'm not worried about guarding my guy anymore. I'm yeah. running all the way over to the other <laughs> side of the floor. Um, the famous block on uh, Michael on uh, Patrick Ewing early in his career was that Patrick had just blocked him and the very yeah. next possession he runs over and blocks uh, and blocks Patrick. And I think the the best example of this is when he was on the Wizards. Do you remember this play with Michael Jordan? You'll need to remind me. Okay, so this is I think it was in Jordan's last season. They were playing against the Bulls. Uh-huh. Okay, and Jordan. You know, he, he was going kind of slow. He wasn't having a great game from what I remember. But he goes up for a shot, and I think it might have been Ron Artest, like, tips the ball away oh, and yeah. blocks the shot. Mm-hmm. One of the Bulls guys gets the ball and goes on a fast break and looks like he's got a breakaway layup or dunk. Jordan is 40-something at this point. <laughs> not not as quick or anything. He, LeBron-style almost, turns around, sprints right for the backboard, jumps up, and catches the ball in the air before it hits the backboard lands and stares at the guy who (laughs) dared to try and take the ball and and make him look like a fool and the crowd goes crazy and i'm like this dude has a problem (laughs) this is insane yeah 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating to watch. And you talk about like you know we we ran through the counting stats earlier, but I think one of the the more noticeable things about Jordan when you watched his games, yeah, and, and you've mentioned this to me on on several mm-hmm. occasions, was how often he made crucial shots Mm. you know momentum breaking shots you know whenever the team the opposing team would get on a little bit of a run and maybe get their crowd into it a little bit he knew precisely when he had to hit a shot that would silence the crowd stop the momentum and restore order in the game right he was good at it when he first started too he was already good at those game winning uh, I know there was like a graphic about, you know, Kobe had technically o- surpassed Jordan and, you know, quote unquote, clutch baskets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, both were both were amazing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Jordan had done it from the beginning. But at the end of Jordan's career, it was everyone expected it. It wasn't a you know, no one was surprised when Jordan would make a game winning shot or a big shot in the finals. They're just right. like, that's what Michael Jordan does. If you, know. you were if you were the opposing crowd and Jordan had the ball at the end of the game, you were terrified. Right. Whereas I don't as great as LeBron is, I don't feel like he instills that level of fear that Jordan did. Right. That actually ooh, competitive that might be the biggest separator in my mind uh between Jordan and LeBron is that opponents talk about LeBron they're they're scared of what he can do, obviously. Yeah. Right. He he puts fear in him, but I mean there are stories of Jordan after he retired and like a young Paul Pierce is talking crap to Michael Jordan and the coach. I can't remember if it's Paul Pierce, but a young player is trying to talk crap to, to Jordan. Jordan's retired and the assistant coach grabs him and is like, dude, you never talk to Michael Jordan like that. He might come out of retirement again just to go against you. I mean, it's insane. It's yeah. insane what he would do. Um, I could probably go on and on about that. So. Yeah. Um, there was there was one last thing I sure. wanted to talk about, and this is another key factor in why I think um, Michael Jordan still at this point in time in 2017, we need to reiterate that because, of course, LeBron's career is not over. Right. Uh, but at this moment in time, I, I think a key reason why I feel like Michael Jordan uh, is the better player is because – his team never lost a playoff series mm. because he struggled. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at uh, the only one that's even questionable in Jordan's career uh, would be the series against Orlando uh, in that '95 season when right. he came back from retirement. Uh, but that was more like at the end of the games, he didn't quite have the energy. He wasn't quite in, in good yeah. enough shape, but mainly because he hadn't played most of yeah. the season. But he still put up great numbers, pretty efficient, high-scoring performances. Yeah. It wasn't as if, you know, uh, you know, his team was in the game because of him. Right. You know, right. whereas there are a couple of series that uh, stick out in my mind mm. where LeBron's performances cost his team the series. Yeah. And I'm referring to the 2010 Eastern Conference semifinals where the Cavs lost to the Celtics in six. Yeah. And then the 2011 NBA finals uh, where the Heat lost to the Dallas Mavericks in six. And, uh, you know, when I talk about that 2010 series, I think a large part of his struggles in that series had to do with he had one foot out the door, mm. uh, ready to head to the Miami Heat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it would have been hard for him to actually leave if the Cavs won the title. Yeah. You know, and uh, in games, uh, in that series, the Cavs won game one. Uh, they, uh, if you... I would urge anyone to go back and watch these couple of series because it is shocking, you know, seeing LeBron on an everyday basis to see him play consistently poorly throughout a series is pretty interesting. Uh, But uh, game one of that series against the Celtics, the whole first half, he just looked, you know, kind of uh, not into it, you know, just kind of passive and all those sorts of things. Mo Williams actually scored, I think, 20 plus points in the first half, (laughs) which kept the Cavs in the game. And then in the second half, LeBron took over and they won game one. Yeah. But then game two, he lays an absolute dud. Yeah. Game three in Boston, 
LeBron goes out and the Cavs absolutely annihilate the Celtics. LeBron plays this masterpiece of a game, playing how he's played all season. He was the MVP that year, obviously. Uh, And the Cavs just destroy, run the Celtics off the floor. Game four doesn't show up. (laughs) You know, again, shows kind of passiveness and all of that. Game five is one of the worst games of LeBron's career. It was in Cleveland, 2-2 series. You know, that's the crucial turning point of most playoff series is that game five. Right. And he just uh, laid a complete egg. Yeah. And then in game six, uh, he had what I call one of those just kind of empty triple doubles. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, he put up great counting stats, but I think he had nine turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, I remember He wasn't that. super efficient from the field, uh, you know, Played decently hard, but uh, just it still wasn't like even a B level LeBron game. Yeah. It was kind of an average LeBron game, uh, and they lo- lose that series. And you you sit there and go, uh, um, as a Cavs fan, that was one of the more frustrating things. When then he ended up leaving for Miami, was right. I. As little supporting help as they had, I thought that team had enough with LeBron's greatness to potentially go all the way and win it. Uh, the Celtics, that team that beat them, ended up losing in Game 7 of the Finals by like six points. Right. So the Cavs were right there, and if they lost in six to the Celtics with their best player having a horrible series, right? if he played well, you know, I thought the Cavs would have won that. I agree. I, I think that's something that I try and bring up whenever someone's defending his decision to leave the Cavs that, mm-hmm. Oh, well, LeBron had no supporting cast in the Cavs. Like they were, I thought the favorite to go to the finals yeah. that year and they played really well. And he played really well all the way up to that series. Yeah. And I remember a uh, sophomore year of, of college being and watching the, the series and just being stunned yeah. at how poorly he was playing. I mm-hmm. was like, is he sick? I don't understand what's going on. Exactly. Yeah, it just felt like something was off. Yeah. Uh, and then the same thing happened the following year in the 2011 finals. And, you know, when I talked about maybe part part of the reason in 2010 why he struggled was he had one foot out the door heading to Miami. I think a a part of the reason why he struggled in the 2011 finals was due to the fact that he had been the villain. You know, everyone hated him over the decision. They hated the Heat team, this collection of a super team, uh, and they were booed basically everywhere they went. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that weighed heavily on him. And uh, he definitely did not show up in that NBA finals. I think, scored less than 20 per game yeah. and again good numbers for like great numbers for a role player but <laughs> right. if you're talking about the greatest player of all time a performance like that is inexcusable i agree um and i'm like th- i'm going through in my head look uh, thinking about jordan's career i can't think of other than that maybe the orlando thing which wasn't that bad i can't think of a single time where his team needed him to play well and he just played maybe average yeah you know for an average player right he always came through mm-hmm. yeah and uh you know again you talk about the orlando series he played great he just struggled a little bit in the clutch moments right uh but you know um i wouldn't say any games in that series he played poorly he right. was above average yeah and at least average for his own typical play right. every game Whereas you're talking in the 2010-11 series with that LeBron lost uh, with the Cavs and Heat, there were two to three games in each series where he was playing at like, you know, an F level for his usual play. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's two seasons in a career. You know, that's that's nothing small. You right. know, and I think that's uh, that's something people got to realize is uh, Jordan when he lost, he lost because the other team was better. Right. You know, he lost because he was playing the 86-87 Boston Celtics with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish. He lost because he was playing the bad boy Pistons with Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, and Bill Lambeer. Uh, You know, he lost because Shaq and Penny Hardaway, their their real season where everyone was healthy, were a really good basketball team. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, uh, and that was the one season... Uh, you know, you talk about the the first three-peat and the second three-peat. 
Uh, you had Horace Grant as the power forward on the first three-peat. The second three-peat, they had Dennis Rodman. That 95 season, they didn't really have a power forward that right. was any Horace good. Horace Grant was on the, the, the Magic. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that was also one of his weaker supporting casts as well in right. that 90s run. So there's really no blemishes on Jordan's resume where there are two obvious ones on LeBron's. Right, and and where, like, say, like with Larry Bird or, or you know, with with these teams that get older, usually injuries or something else is, is the factor on why they're not playing as well, mm-hmm. right? Larry Bird can definitely be attributed to the fact that he was in a back brace most of the day. Yeah. And they had to go out and try and play a game, and he'd go back and sleep in the back brace. That's that's really hard, and of course he's not going to have the same level of production. But mid career, where you know LeBron is in his prime, to have those seasons where he's not playing as well. Um, I mean, I'm trying to look is is he dur- is he in his prime during these two seasons? Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there seems to be no nine oh ten seasons were his uh, all in. Yeah, he won an MVP with the Heat as well. Right. I'm trying to remember what season that part was. One. I think that was 2012, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was right in the middle of his like key years where he was winning MVPs. Yeah, like there's there's no, and I don't want to be super hard on LeBron because the dude's second best player in my mind of all time. But there's no reason why he played that poorly. Yeah. Where some other people, you know just couldn't because of like physical limitations mm-hmm. this dude's the best athlete in the world yeah um and yeah that that that's a good point you're making like we still think lebron like yeah in both of our minds when it's all said and done we're confident lebron's going to be number two at the very least yeah um and sure i'm, I'm open-minded he could pass jordan sure. with enough accomplishments and things uh, in the next five to six years who knows how long right. lebron's going to play for right. um but if we're talking right now and comparing these two guys' resumes, um, you know, the numbers are pretty similar. Yeah. You know, the um, accomplishments in terms of all NBA are pretty similar. Uh, but Jordan has more titles. He's got more defensive accolades. He was a better defensive player. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, you know, a better clutch pl- performer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the playoffs, you know, Jordan was always great. LeBron, for the most part, has been great, but those two years in particular really struggled. And when you're when you're comparing two guys, you know, that doesn't seem like a lot, but that makes up that, that small little difference. <laughs> exactly. Um, so um, <clears throat> I just wanted to kind of do, go through like a, a checkbox sort of thing hmm. and say like, okay, so what do we think each person uh, is better at? So we both believe Jordan was the better shooter. Uh, yeah. You know, if you factor in mid-range and even three-point shots, LeBron's got a slight edge. But again, we talked about, I think, the difference in eras can make up for that. Yeah. And I think Jordan was a consistently better mid-range shooter. Uh, if you take out the Washington years, uh, his field goal percentage in both the regular season and playoffs is slightly better than LeBron, even though it's really close. Right, right. But uh, the so, points per game was, were higher. Right. So, yeah. And he had more of a volume. So he's shooting more and at a slightly better percentage. Jordan, uh, I think we both agree, is the better shooter. Yeah. Um, Rebounding-wise, regular season, I think it's about equal. Um, Mm -hmm. Playoff LeBron may be slightly better rebounder, I think partially because he might slide down and play a little bit more of the power forward position in the playoffs. Right. Um, But uh, I would give LeBron a slight edge on rebounding, but again, nothing significant. Right. Passing, uh, you got to give the edge to LeBron, and that is somewhat significant, I would say. Definitely. Um, but defensively, big edge to Jordan. Huge. Um, you know, people talk about LeBron's versatility. He might be a more versatile defender than Jordan yeah. just because of his size. He can you guard know. more positions. Yes. Um, but if you're talking about consistent defensive effort, uh, not only in the regular season but the postseason, and also um, making his team live up to his example and being a good team defense all season long, which helps build your postseason defense as well. Jordan was vastly superior uh, as far as that is concerned as well. Um, again, we we th- we give Jordan the 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 check mark as far as clutch performances go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> in terms of other accolades, just like NBA titles and MVPs, 
Uh, Jordan still has the edge. Five to four in MVPs, six to three in titles, six to three in finals MVPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talk about the competition. We both agree that the Eastern Conference competition was tougher for Jordan than it has been Le- for LeBron. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about was the finals competition, okay, which yeah. I think LeBron had ha- has had tougher finals opponents than Jordan had. Do you agree with that? I would agree with that. This uh, The last few years with this Warriors team, before Durant came there, was one of the greatest teams, if not the greatest team to ever play. Yeah. Now they've got... Kevin Durant, it's it's insane. Yeah. So I would definitely agree with that. Well, and playing and the Spurs, the Spurs yeah. you know, on multiple uh, three occasions, like just playing the Spurs and Warriors each three times, that's insane. Yeah. Level of competition to have to go up against. Obviously, great coaching on both teams, great talent on both teams. Right. Uh, and both teams play, you know, a good brand of basketball, sharing the basketball. They both play great defense, you know. Right. Um. So. Uh, whereas Jordan, you know, he played some good teams in the finals. Sure. Like those Jazz teams in the late 90s were pretty talented, of course, with Stockton mm-hmm. and Malone. Uh, the 93 Phoenix Suns we both think might be his most difficult opponent with Charles yeah. Barkley in his absolute prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you've got the Lakers with Magic Johnson, his one, you know, made basically his last great season before, you know, he had to leave the league. Right. Uh, and then, um, you know, even Portland, Seattle, solid teams. Right. Uh, but yes, LeBron gets the edge in competition, in the NBA finals. And that's another thing that, uh, you know, people go cling to when they're talking about LeBron being better is, well, he's three and five because he's had, tougher opponents and that's fair sure um but my rebuttal to that is if the eastern conference was tougher for michael jordan than it has been for lebron that's three rounds yeah (laughs) that's three rounds that are tougher for jordan than they were for lebron right versus one round in the nba finals right uh, so if you're comparing the two and saying who had a tougher route to win a championship, you got to talk about all four rounds, not just the last one. Yeah. And for me, the competition, if you if you put in if you factor in all of those things, uh, was slightly it was a slightly more daunting task for Jordan to get there and win than it was for LeBron. Yeah, I would I would agree. Like just because it's the first round, if you're playing against Bird's '86 Celtics. You know, that's, I would say, comparable to playing that is the Warriors the, team in the finals. It just, exactly. it just depends on what the... And that's something he had to do in round one. Right. LeBron never had to do something like that in round one. Right. I mean, when he was when he made his first playoff appearance, it was the Washington Wizards with Gilbert Arenas and Antoine Jameson. Like, that was a fine basketball team. Uh, but comparing that to... Jordan's first playoff or one of his first playoff experiences playing the 86 Celtics. It's, you know, two completely different categories. Right. Um, So, uh, you know, you talk about, um, I think the thing we both agree that will go in LeBron's favor and maybe already is the durability. Oh yeah. Uh, the fact that LeBron has basically never been injured, which is amazing. He's he seems like an alien in terms of I'll watch him like severely twist his ankle in a game. Yeah. And uh, you know he'll just tighten his shoelace and yeah, he'll be fine. Keep going. It's Where, incredible. Yeah. Whereas Jordan had the, we talked about the broken ankle. Yeah. Um and uh yeah you know just that is. Uh, you know, is more games missed than LeBron is missing his career. Right. Uh, it's it's truly remarkable, and he's already passing. Um, you know, he's already up there in terms of minutes played in the regular season and postseason history. Right. And he's 33. You know, it's oh, yeah. uh, his durability is outstanding, and you know, if he keeps this up, it's a, that differential. What you talked about in that how LeBron could catch him is that differential in durability could uh, you know if it gets wide enough, it could uh, you know give LeBron a decent case. Totally. Um, but yeah, then finally, of course, I think. The biggest factor for both of us is, or one of the biggest factors, is that blemish on LeBron's resume of those two playoff series uh, against the Celtics in 2010 and against the Mavericks in 2011. I think, uh, you know, those series... 
really there's there's no reason why LeBron played that poorly, and there's no real uh, there's nothing you can say to kind of back LeBron as far as those two series are concerned. Uh, if you don't believe us, like go watch those series. Definitely. Um, you know he didn't play poorly in every game, but in a six game series that the six or seven game series, uh, if you if your best player plays poorly in even two games, right. that kills your chances. And with those, it was three or four even yeah. at times in a six-game series. Uh, so I definitely urge you to go back and, you know, if you're in the LeBron category, you know, you have every right to be in that category. Sure. He's a terrific player. Oh, yeah. uh, but go back and watch some Michael Jordan. You know, don't just sit there and say, I've seen a bunch of LeBrons. Therefore, I just I just think he's better. Yeah. Actually, go and watch and compare the two of them, and give yourself uh, you know an unbiased view and say, okay, I've seen both of them play. I've seen both of them play in the regular season in the playoffs. I've seen how their team responds to them. I've seen how their style of play affects the game, and I can legitimately make a decision now. And I feel right. like we've both done that. We've both watched right. enough games of both of them. To say to make an honest assessment and say we believe Michael Jordan is better. Exactly. I mean, the difference between when we're talking about LeBron and Jordan or Bird or whoever, it's so it's such a small thing. Jordan, people didn't start talking about Jordan as the greatest until like '93 when he was retiring. Yeah. You know, some people said it here and there, but he didn't get crowned that until you know after he'd won three in a row. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not us just picking apart and being loving a LeBron or loving Jordan and hating on LeBron here when we're pointing out those series. Like it is that close between anyone. We could, you know, bring up Kareem in this conversation as well for, you know, who's also won six titles and I think mm-hmm. might also have six MVPs. I can't remember. Um, I, I believe that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's been so many great players. So f- to even be in this conversation of one and two is amazing. Right. And, and I feel like that's something that maybe doesn't get across when I have conversations with people who think LeBron is the best is that I'm not saying LeBron sucks <laughs> when I say he's number two. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that if I'm going to pick a team and I've got to pick between the two for who I'm going to, you know, think to win a championship, I'm going to go with Jordan more times than not. But if I end up, if someone picks Jordan and I get LeBron, I'm still happy at the end of the day because I'm going to, I think I'm still have a, a, a good chance of winning. Right. So, well, and think about how fortunate we are as sports fans. Like I can honestly say I have seen Michael Jordan and LeBron James live in person. Yeah. I've been to each of, of their games. Okay. Uh, I saw Michael Jordan, I believe play the Miami heat in a regular season game, like towards the end of his career. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, with Chicago, I should say. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen LeBron on numerous occasions, uh, yeah. And so it's it's so awesome that we've lived in a time, especially as NBA and basketball fans, that we can honestly say we have access and we're able to watch these two great players because they're such a joy to watch. It's oh so God. amazing. Uh, I urge anyone like, uh, you know, that takes LeBron James for granted, like watch a game and truly try to focus on what he's doing uh, because when when these great players do it on such a consistent basis it becomes almost ordinary when yeah. it is anything but <laughs> exactly um but yeah uh that's uh, was there anything else you wanted to comment on this uh, any other um jordan stories you had in your running <laughs> that you wanted to throw out there before we come to a conclusion here i mean i could go on and on so it's probably best if i stop i mean we knowing me i could go through each of the finals and i didn't talk about drexler versus jordan and mm-hmm. all of that stuff but uh yeah but yeah i think this was uh, this was pretty good I, I i hope all of you enjoyed this um and again yeah we we both believe jordan's better but it is such a pleasure to watch lebron uh, play the game of basketball. I, I've loved every second of it. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this has been Duncan Dynasty. Have a good day, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.